Thank you, Sherwin, and all the singers uh, for that beautiful song. It's a thoughtful song, but this is a communion sermon, so I think it fits. I'm very happy to uh, be able to speak to you today um, on this theme of the power of prayers of submission, and I've entitled the message, Jesus in Gethsemane. I was excited to, to do this for a couple of reasons. This wasn't my topic. I was assigned this topic, and I was assigned the passage, which is in Matthew 26, if you want to get ahead. Uh, but I knew I would be in Gethsemane. That's where I preached two weeks ago. And to be able to uh, just keep that in the back of my mind as I speak is, is always uh, something very motivating. We had a tour in Israel quite recently, October, and we had another one in February. And most of the pictures I'll show you as we warm up are from uh, this uh, tour that we've just returned from just recently. It was the wet season, and I'd never led a tour to Israel uh, during the rainy season, but apart from some light rain at the end of our time in Gethsemane, uh, no one got wet. Um, it rained at night, and it was pleasant. Here you can see one of the places we went to in the northern Israel. We looked out, and we could see Syria. And fortunately, with ISIS nearly gone, um, the, the fighting has stopped. But Israel is quite precariously perched in a very interesting place. Another thing that was different this time uh, was how rough the Sea of Galilee was. Uh, and I spoke to our local guide, our Israeli guide. Um, he had never seen it so rough in his life. And I haven't either. People were getting pitched all over the place. No one got sick, but it was really heaving and rolling. We couldn't even uh, launch the boat from the normal place. We had to go to the other side. Half the group came from China. Uh, we were from seven nations, but the impulse, the impetus to organize this came from China. And why would they do that in February? Well, as you can guess, Chinese New Year, a year of the pig, uh, which I'm excited about because that's what I am, okay? And even though the uh, in Chinese culture, pig is good, okay? It's not a bad thing, all right? Dog may be a bad thing, but not pig. Pig is good. Pig is wealthy. Pig is prosperity. Pig is you're eating well. And so people were dancing on the boat. It was great. Going to where Pontius Pilate lived. Spending time with people from all over. This brother was actually sponsored anonymously to come. He's a teacher and preacher in southern Africa. And one thing he did, uh, because I couldn't do it this time, is he went to Tel Aviv on the Friday. Well, in the Middle East, Friday is Sunday. And so he preached late Friday afternoon, and they were so encouraged. And I'll make sure every time we're there, we send someone down. But he's a super fella named Paul Smith. Here we are on Mount Carmel. As you can see, it's uh, quite a small group, very intimate. The sources of the Jordan River, people getting baptized in the Jordan. The Canaanite gate, 4,000 years old, the gate that Abraham saw when he was there. Nazareth, Nazareth village, first century carpentry, uh, 21st century lamb, just born. Israel is a very modern country, very safe country, safer than the United States for sure, and artsy kind of place too. I found, found these pictures. I like the one on the right the most, okay. <laughs> that, he's doing a selfie, okay, you didn't get that. <laughs> but this is the, the land of Israel. This is the Holy Land. Here's the Dead Sea at the top, because we went to Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. We went to Masada where the rebels held out against the Romans until 73 AD. We had such a terrific time. Wildlife, including camels, 
This is a sister who wasn't sure about it, and I said, don't worry, he won't hurt you. And another, <laughs> Janelle came from, she's from Singapore. Uh, Haley's from the United States, but she lives in China. And then it was my turn, and I know there's been some rumors going around. Look, my wife knew about this kiss. It was totally discreet. <laughs> so I had ridden camels before. The last camel I rode was named Ramses. That camel's name was Samantha. So it was a female thing, but it's just a camel, okay? Are we good? We're good, all right. Such a terrific time, and I would like to invite you sometime uh, to join me on one of these tours, maybe even the next one. But if you can't come, I invite you to Gethsemane right now, because this is where we're going to be. Here's a group in the garden, but we're going to actually spend some time in Gethsemane in our main passage, our only passage, in fact, which is Matthew 26. As Sherwin mentioned, this is the end of a series on prayer. We've looked at all kinds of prayer. Last week, Anton Ivey, a great brother who ministers in Knoxville, came and spoke on prayers of intercession. Not all prayers are prayers of intercession. I'm not even sure all prayers for other people are prayers of intercession. I think intercession is more when someone's in a jam, unless someone steps in and helps, something bad could happen. So not all prayers are prayers of intercession. Not all prayers are prayers of submission. And what I mean by that is sometimes we're asking God to change the plan for us. That's not really a prayer of submission. You're actually hoping in your interaction with the Lord uh, that, that the future could be different. Prayers of submission are more about accepting the future. And they're, they're, they're prayers that we have to pray as we age, as our bodies age, as we see more and more things in this world. So here we are in Gethsemane, Matthew 26, 36. Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane means oil press, olive oil press, Gethsemane in Hebrew. It's a place where olives were pressed for their oil. Anyway, he went there and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Okay. I know not everyone's equally familiar with the biblical story. So let me just set the stage. It's Thursday. Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples. Judas has already arranged, but now he finalizes the betrayal. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. After the prayer, he will be arrested, taken to the home, the compound of Caiaphas, who's the high priest, a very corrupt man, interrogated, put in a dungeon, and then in the morning, on Friday, he goes to Pontius Pilate uh, at dawn. After torture and crucifixion and death, and this is what we call Good Friday, not because of the event itself, but because of the result of the event. Uh, because of that, then Jesus, of course, descends to the realm of the dead, and on Sunday, we have the resurrection. And many weeks later, he returns to the Father. So this message is set on the Thursday evening. In Gethsemane, Jesus shows his emotions and truly pours out his heart in prayer. And I think those of us who are Christians, we know that. It's not the way I normally pray. I'm not, I mean, you, you'd have to squeeze me very hard to get any emotion out of me. It's in there deep. Jesus, though, as the perfect human being, the ideal human, 
perfect balance mentally, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And someone who's well-tuned in a time of great pressure and challenge does show emotion and even weeps. And we learn from John's gospel that Gethsemane was a place to which Jesus frequently went. He took his disciples there. Perhaps he went alone. It's not very far from the temple, just across the Kidron Valley. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Let's continue to go through the story here. I mentioned that Gethsemane means an oil press. Now, if you just take an olive off a tree, you can't eat it. Uh, it, it that would not be a good idea. It's incredibly bitter. There are things that need to happen, even once it's ripe. It has to be squeezed and pressed. And the, the pressing can be done in different ways, but this is typical, where a donkey will pull the stone, the grinding stone, the first pass, it goes over the olive and squeeze out, squeezes out the oil. Actually, underneath Gethsemane, underneath this garden, which is on the Mount of Olives, there's a cave, and you can see where an oil press used to be in the first century. It's been turned into a chapel. We didn't go there this time, but I think it's a really cool place called the Grotto of Gethsemane. Olive oil, when it's first pressed, you have the virgin oil. But each time it's under more and more pressure, you get out more and more oil, but it's not the nicest stuff. The, the first round would, would give the oil that would be used for anointing a priest or a king or a prophet, the oil that would be burned in the lamp called the menorah, uh, oil, maybe the oil that you would put on your face because this was a common cosmetic. It kills lice in the hair. Uh, Jesus says when you're fasting, definitely use oil because not to use it would call attention to yourself. It's, it's kind of like saying, make yourself up before you go out, whatever you have to do, brush your teeth, etc. But the idea of the olive oil is that there are, uh, this is pressure, and it's not yielded until there's pressure. Eventually, you get oil that is used for cooking. Uh, then there's, uh, at the very end, oil that's for soap, and things like that, for cleaning. So it's an incredibly important uh, product. Now, Jesus, as we've read, invites his friends to be near him. Now, he was closer emotionally to some of the men than others. That's okay. It's not bad. It's not favoritism. It's the nature of relationships, right? You can't be equally close to everybody. But Jesus invites them to come with him. Notice that he didn't ask them to pray with me. Peter, why don't you lead us off? And then, John, you go, and I'll wrap up at the end. Uh, he's not entrusting such an important time to the outcome of their prayers. He wants them close to him, but he's not trusting them with that kind of pressure. Good thing. So you have the group of disciples, and then you've got the three who came closer to Jesus, and then Jesus goes a bit farther away, and he prays. He threw himself down, face to the ground. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, Yet not what I will, but what you will. So that's what I mean by a prayer. He's not a prayer saying, God, uh, you may have other plans here, but if you could make it not rain tomorrow because we're having our sports event. It's not that kind of a prayer. This, on the other hand, it's not 
Prayer is not just to change our minds so we're more spiritual. Prayer is an interaction, and sometimes God does respond and actually changes the universe a bit for us. But this kind is more about Jesus getting his mind aligned with God's. This is a cup of suffering. The cup is a common image in both the Old and the New Testament. It's often a cup of suffering. It could be judgment on an ungodly nation, sometimes even on Israel. But it's a common image. It's not always negative. David says in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. Of course, he didn't say runneth. He said, my cup runs over. Here, though, it's a cup of suffering. There's punishment as Jesus, the very next day, will be taking on himself the burden of all the sins of the world, of you and me, every human who's ever lived, What could be more pressure than that? He came to his disciples after the first round of prayer, and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Poor Peter. These guys, they had had this big meal, and the Passover included four cups of wine. And even though it was a cool night, as we learn, These guys really, they couldn't stay awake. They were so tired. Stay awake and pray you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Is your spirit willing? Is my spirit willing? Is our flesh weak? Don't you dare pretend it isn't. The strongest people in this auditorium are weak. The flesh is weak. We had this interesting law in Hawaii. Maybe you saw it this last week. They raised raised the smoking age to 100. I guess an attempt to curb the problem. Cigarettes are already incredibly expensive in Hawaii, like $12 a pack or something. But do we really think that, oh yeah, people be able to delay gratification, you know, till age 100. Don't worry, in 32 years, Sherwin, you can have a cigarette, right? Okay, that would be a Herculean, if not a divine level of self-control. We don't have that. Our flesh is weak, incredibly weak. And Jesus says, pray not to be led into temptation. Now, that's like the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're not quite at the end, but let's finish up here. He went away a second time. Jesus prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away. First time he asked it to be taken away. Now, if it cannot, unless I drink it, your will must be done. He came again and found them. At least they're consistent. (laughs) They're sleeping. Leaving them again, he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Why did he pray three times? Why didn't he just have one prayer? Was he killing time while Judas was bringing the arrest party? I don't think so. But Jesus, through the course of these prayers, becomes more and more aligned with the will of the Father. He says, I'm in anguish, I'm in distress, I'm in deep grief at the beginning. 
And there was so much to be sad about. But he wasn't fully ready to go to the cross at that point. Not when he began his prayers. He had to pray more. Not my will, but yours be done. And there are all kinds of things that we pray for that may not be our will. If you're a student, you may not feel like working hard enough to get an A on that assignment. If you're going to the office at 7.30 tomorrow morning, you may not feel like showing up on time or being nice to that person with a nasty personality disorder. But this is a little bit different than the Gethsemane prayer. Oh, I can think of many things. Cleaning the apartment, even coming to church sometimes. We don't always feel like that. But the Gethsemane prayer is more like I'm praying for a change in my character. This is not going to be a one-time prayer. This is going to require several rounds. I'm going to have to push hard here. Or I'm coming to terms with something that is overwhelmingly painful. And sometimes that's not even the death of a family member. It could be something equally or even more challenging. So there's several attempts. Jesus aligns his will with the Father's will. And that is something, this is why spending time in the Word, spending time thinking of the Lord and speaking to the Lord is so important every day. Because otherwise we get bent the other way. We get bent by the world. And now we're not doing the Father's will. Several attempts involving pressure, pain, and sorrow. When I was about 10 years old, uh, my teeth were not in line. Well, at least the two main ones weren't in line. And what they called me back then was chipper. And I hate it so much that most years, I don't even remember they called me that, but that was how they made fun of me. Chip, 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 chipper, because my teeth came out like that. They got aligned through orthodontry. Orthos means straight. It's a Greek word. It gets your teeth straight. Right, because we get out of line in different ways. We want to get back in line. Jesus was never out of line, but he's, he doesn't want that to change. So it's that process of alignment. We also read that he trusts the Father, and he didn't insist, you know, Father, you need to get your will in line with mine so I can get what I want. Mm-mm. They were in sync after these prayers, but Jesus was striving that his will would match the Father's will whatever that meant, and he knew very well it meant a bitter cup to drink, and he knew it meant death because he had been predicting this several times, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, but he'd been predicting that uh, for quite some time. The end of our passage, verse 45, then he came to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Apparently so. <laughs> Look, the hour is approaching. It, the hour means the time. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. Look, my betrayer is approaching. And he sees the torches. He sees the arrest party. Judas guiding the high priest. High priest with his servant. The temple guard. And who knows how many other people have come to arrest Jesus and dispatch him quickly. And he will be dispatched on Friday at the cross. So by the time the party arrives, the arrest party, Jesus is ready. He's fully prepared mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. He's ready for action. And now he's going to appear before the high priest and the high priest's father-in-law, 
these corrupt clergy who pulled all the strings. He would be abused. He would go to Pontius Pilate. He would actually also see Herod, um, although that's not mentioned. That's mentioned in Luke. And then after torture and the cross, he bears our sins. And this is why Gethsemane is so important. Without Gethsemane, we would still be lost. This shows that he had dealt with his will. This proves the power of the prayer of submission. My will is often not aligned with God. Now, it's aligned in some things. There's some things I did before I was a Christian I've never done since I became a Christian. There's some things that remain a struggle, and there are probably some challenges I still am too young to have faced, which some people may snicker at, but I think that's actually true. He had dealt with his will, and if he needed to do that, probably I need to do that as well. What does this mean for you and me? What does this mean? Let's get some application. Well, first, we're all called to drink a cup. This is not the communion cup or the micro cup. This is an actual cup. It's bitter. Turkish coffee, you had that? First time I had that, I didn't know the grains were still in the bottom. So I, I sipped and sipped and sipped, and then I downed the rest of it, and my mouth is full of grit. I'm spitting it out, disgracing myself. But it's a little bit like that. It is bitter, and we're to drain it to the very dregs, that leftover material that really is not fit for man nor animal. We're all called to drink a cup. You willing to do that? I think most Christians are not willing unless they pray hard to align their will. And even then, just as I look around here, the world, I think so many Christians do not drink the cup. They wanted to at one time, but that's now alien to the thinking. Gethsemane means pressure. We need to pray to get our hearts aligned with God. And this can be incredible pressure. You think of the olive being pressed and the oil dripping out. Jesus was pressed and the sweat was pouring out. I mean, sometimes we sweat really, if the humidity is high and we're very active, you know what it's like. You're doing a sport or you're just walking. But it, the, the, he was under such pressure that the water, the, oil, the, the, water, the oil, the sweat was falling off of his body almost as though it was blood. You know the way blood drips when you get a bad wound, cut, cut, blop, 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 blop. That's how fast the sweat is dripping off of him, falling like blood drops to the ground. A third point of application. So drink the cup, except that Gethsemane is pressure, in fact, overwhelming pressure, pressure we cannot deal with without God. And thirdly, what Jesus does with, with certain boundaries, he shares this pressure, this suffering with his friends. And being able to do that is so helpful. Yesterday, my wife and I got with a couple in another city. We just had to talk about some stuff. We felt so light, so relieved that we were able to do that. We didn't realize how not talking about something very painful can slowly take away our joy, can cloud our perspective. But you've got to share that. Even Jesus, as a human, he needed the companionship. He didn't invite James, Peter, and John just to be a good example. 
No, he actually needed them. Let's spend the necessary time in Gethsemane, the place of pressure, of suffering, a cup, and the place where the oil is pressed out of the olive and we align our wills with God's will. This brings us to the end of our communion message. So before we take the bread and the wine, let me sum up. Because Jesus aligned his will with that of the Father, not only in Gethsemane, but throughout the course of his life, we are not burdened with the bread of affliction and the cup of suffering. We're actually given the body and blood of Christ, which to his followers means life. So let's pray. Lord, as each of us is called to the garden, this place where we're brutally honest, where we express what we feel, what is lacking, and what needs to change in us, let us be inspired by the example of Jesus Christ. The bread, wine also, Remind us of his true presence among us today, his body and blood. Lord, we confess we want the benefits of Calvary. But we'd rather skip over the pain and the pressure, the humiliation, the torture, all the suffering that led up to that. We just want the benefits. And our will is so often out of whack. Though it may be painful, Lord, Bring us back. Hammer us till we're straight. Squeeze us until we see things from your perspective. Help us to rely upon you and not to miss the grandeur of what you have done for us and for all the world. And last, let us open our mouths and share the sufferings we have with friends, even with those who are seeking. We pray that we will, because of this, be willing to represent you in the world. For we confess that too often we've wasted opportunities. And if we had spent time in Gethsemane, so many more people would know your name. Lord, we ask these things through the name of the Savior. Amen.